This is Wyman and Bob on Seattle Sports, powered through the Alaska Airline Studio. Streaming live on the Seattle Sports app and at seattlesports.com. Now, here are your hosts, Dave Wyman and Bob Stelton. Coming up at 5 o'clock, we'll talk some baseball with our guy, John Morosi. You never want to miss that conversation, so make sure you stay tuned for that. If you miss anything on the show, you can always find it on the podcast page at seattlesports.com. Just click the podcast tab and click on our picture. It'll be right there waiting for you. Meanwhile, uh, Jeff Passan was on with uh, Brock and Salk this morning, talked about a few different things, and there's some bigger, some of the bigger names are still out there. Obviously, Otani's off the market, but you know somebody like Cody Bellinger is still hanging out there. You still have some of the names that we've said over and over and over still hanging out there. And Passan was asked about that, why they haven't signed yet. Here's what he had to say. All, all, mm. all four of the big guys left to Boris, guys. Uh, Snell, Montgomery... Uh, Bellinger and Chapman, and I think it's I think it's very simple. Um, they have they, and I mean the, the players have set a line in the sand, and nobody is willing to cross that line at this point because teams see that line as unreasonable, and players see that line as what the market value should be as opposed to what the market is showing. And it's a staring contest. It's a game of chicken. <laughs> who's gonna Who's gonna blink first, Dave? Is it gonna be the player? They're all Boris clients. That guy's amazing. Is he? I mean, I, I know Marvin Demoff was really. I think if you ask most people, and he's not well known because he didn't like doing that. He didn't yeah. like the media part. He wasn't of it. Drew Rosenhaus. Exactly. So, um, but yeah, I mean, he is. He's an amazing. I mean, Boris pretty much controls Major League Baseball. It seems like. Yeah, and it's it's interesting. I'll, I'll, I'm guessing at some point the players bend a bit. Maybe not all four of those guys do, but I don't know. Is it going to be one signs and that's sort of the, the domino effect? Like, all right, so-and-so signed, so now this guy's going to sign, and then the next guy. Or everybody thought that's what how it was going to go with Otani. Once, everybody's waiting to see what Otani's doing. It's, that's going to set the market, and that's going to give everybody a, a chance to see kind of where they should slot in behind him, certainly. And that didn't happen, so it it we're in a it's it is a weird period. It feels like it's drawing, it's it's being drawn out much longer than it than it has in the past. But maybe that's it. Just feels that way, and maybe it's similar. I don't know. Well, again, we can talk to Morosi about it. But the fact that all of the remaining big names, as as they are viewed, are controlled by one guy out there, so he's got the leverage. But he's also you wonder if he's going to blink at some point and say, all right, we were asking for, and who knows what they're asking for, but mm-hmm. all right, let's back off that a little bit. Yeah, you know what's in, I wonder if Major League Baseball, how they perceive Scott Boris, because just to compare him to my agent one more time, is that I talked to the general manager of the Chargers at the time, trying to remember exactly who it was. Anyway, he knew Marvin Demoff very well, and so I talked to him before the draft, and he's like, anybody that doesn't like Marvin is a jerk. That's what he told me. Yeah. And um, and I'm like, wow, Bobby Beathard, that's who it was. And like, wow. I mean, not only is he really good, but everybody seems to love him in the NFL. They like dealing with him because he knows exactly what's what, and I feel like that's kind of where – where Boris is at, and I do believe he was Pete Carroll's college roommate at one point. Boris was, yeah. So I don't know of, if they have the warm, fuzzy feelings about him that they did Demoff. Yeah, I don't. I don't get that impression. Again, we can ask Morosi. I'm not sure. I, I feel like Boris is one of those guys that that GMs might go, "Oh boy, buckle up, here yeah. we go." 
you know, maybe he's, he's a guy that asks for the moon and digs his heels in. I don't know. We can maybe get a better idea from Morosi on that. But I, I don't get the impression just from people I've talked to that he's viewed the way you're you're talking about with them off. Well, and I, I just I wonder if that was just because, um, you know, the the players that they, he got and delivered them that is like, hey, fine, whatever. We, we'll pay whatever we need to. We just want to get these guys in. Because he had Marino and Elway and all the big names. And I think I told you that I would get cut off suddenly when I was talking to my agent, which was <laughs> Marvin Demoff. And I just always figured, okay, well, that's probably either Elway or Marino calling. Somebody was making him a lot yeah. of money. Yeah. Uh, but uh, as far as Boris goes, I don't know. I mean, I, I feel like if you have all the big names, like I would think most GMs would be kind of friendly with him. Yeah, yeah, we'll we'll find out. We'll find out. Passon talked about a few other things, one of which was who of those four could end up on the Mariners. Chapman, I would think. You if you look at Matt Chapman's splits last year, he was out of this world in like the first six or so weeks of the season. And after that just wasn't very good. Um, you know, the defense isn't where it was once upon a time when he was winning I think two platinum gloves. So this is a guy who has been legitimately elite at third base and, and frankly would look fantastic in a Mariners uniform and in the Mariners lineup right now. But I think at this point they are resolved to doing a, a Luis Arias, Josh Rojas platoon. I like, I like that he's, his immediate answer is Chapman and then goes on to list how much he's diminished. So he's, that makes him the most likely candidate for the Mariners. Bargain <laughs> uh, shopper. Yeah, I mean, he's making the case why he'd be the most likely candidate for the Mariners. He used to be elite. You look at he started House of Fire, and then he just fell off the face of the earth. He was terrible. So yeah, he'd look good in a Mariner uniform. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's like looks like he was an All Star his third year, and then uh, now he's yeah he's about two ten, two twenty nine, two forty. I don't know. It, I, I feel okay with, with the Mariners and what they've done so far, and I, I feel like there's been way less. And if that's any gauge, there's been, I feel like a lot of the 54% and, and all of that talk that Mariner fans were all pissed off about is kind of is kind of faded away, kind, it's, of, it's kind of slowly. It's dissipated a little bit, yeah. I think, I think Pol- that, you know, the Polanco move, I think, not everybody loved it, but I'd say the majority of fans felt like, okay, this is not a guy who's 35 years old. This is not a guy who's, yeah, he's had a, some injury concern like the other two you brought in, but he, you know, I think there's some optimism around that move. And more importantly, you didn't give up any of your core, if you will, in terms of Brian Wu or Bryce Miller. So I, th- I think that helped a bit. And I think the familiarity with, with Mitch Hanniger and who he can be if healthy, and that's a huge caveat, if healthy, and the same is true for Garver, same is true for Polanco. So if healthy, there's a reason to be more optimistic about this team. And Jeff was asked if this Mariner team is better than last year's version. Yeah, I think 24 is better than 23 was. But it's very easy to say that, not just before the games start, but before I know starting pitching health. That That's the, the, this whole thing hinges on the Mariners starting pitcher staying healthy and they have managed to the last couple of years um that's not the sort of thing that tends to be the case long term and so I listen I hope every one of them stays healthy I hope they go out and make the postseason and I hope they bring Seattle what in the damn near 50 years we've seen baseball there they they haven't gotten at this point um but 
on paper, I like this team better than last year's. Thanks, Jeff. Yeah, he wants us to go to the postseason. It's <laughs> not nice bless you. Yeah, I mean the pitching. They, they weren't they weren't injury free last year. Yeah, you lost Robbie say, Ray right out of the gate, right? You know, and Marco. So the year before, you didn't miss a start. Right. The year before, they, they when we talked about it, like, hey, this is awesome, but this is not how this normally goes. And then we found out the very next season. Yeah, that's not how that goes. <laughs> I like that that things are going really famously, and then all you can think about is. Uh, this is this is a sham. Well, it's, it's going to turn. Yeah, it's gonna it's turn just here. not. That's an aberration, as you saw. Everybody saw. I think you, you appreciate it while it's happening. You respect it. Like this is great. I mean, unbelievable. You've got your rotation, and nobody misses a start due to injury. That's that's unreal. I, then, I would have never guessed that Robbie Ray Bob would be the guy. Watching him down at spring training, just how he was. First of all, he was built like a linebacker. It looked yeah. like he worked really hard, and then just. You know, he was out there just pumping heat. Remember that uh, he had that warm up that he he was like twenty yards from yeah. where we were, and he was grunting and the whole thing. And I was like, "This guy's a horse, man. He's going to be there the entire time." But if you ever, if there's ever any mystery as to why pitchers get hurt, look at some of the still shots of the contortion that occurs with their elbow and their it looks shoulders. Looks like it's dislocated for a s- yeah. split second. It's, it's it's not good. It's disgusting. Uh, Passon was asked if the Mariners have the best arms in the league with the starters and the bullpen combined. The Mariners starting pitching is just really good. I, I, don't, I don't have to tell you guys that. You know how good they are. Maybe you look at Philadelphia. I don't think the rotation depth is there. Um, you know, top end, I would probably take Zach Wheeler over anyone that the that the Mariners have. Uh, you know, Aaron Nola is really good. Got $175 million this offseason. And, and Ranger Suarez and Christopher Sanchez. Like, in Philadelphia's back-end bullpen arms are nasty. Uh, very similar, in fact, to just the kind of stuff that you're seeing with the Mariners. But... Uh, you know, the, the teams you would look at otherwise, like Tampa Bay, now they're too injured right now. Uh, Toronto's pretty good. Like, Toronto's got some very good arms in that rotation. And the, their bullpen depth stinks, but the back end of it is pretty strong. Houston, you could make a case, right? Yep. Like, Verlander, Fromber at the top of the rotation, Christian Javier, back end of the bullpen uh, with Josh Hader and Ryan Presley. It's pretty good. It's yep. pretty lights out, man. Yeah. So so Houston, I think Houston is in the conversation there. Hmm. Uh, but, yeah, if if you want to make that argument, I think you're probably right. Got a uh, text from the 253. What are you talking about, Dave? None of those hard feelings have faded. Lifelong fan here, and I still can't bring myself to spend my hard-earned money <laughs> on this team this season. Just they're, can't. They're leaning on the 54% thing. They're not yeah. going to let that go. They forgot about <laughs> uh, Some people have forgotten about that. And, you know, and I think it's interesting also that the Polanco trade, I, I think a lot of people don't really care that much about Justin Topa. Justin Topa was he was good, man. I mean, do you that's, take it as they don't care? They or like me have faith that yeah, they're going to find another version of him. It's just what they do. Yeah, probably that too. Yeah, you that's know, why I, I didn't get too bunched up about it. I, you're right. He was great. He was two six one ERA. He was he was he was a high leverage guy. He was he was great for him. But when I saw the trade come down, I was more about the the prospects they gave up. Like oh, he, these guys were, you know it. it as far as where they were ranked and everything, that felt like, all right, you've given mm-hmm. up some potential there. Topa, yeah, he's great, but I have, I just feel like they're going to find the next version of him because that's what they do. Yeah, and I, I don't know if we lean on that every year, but I, I feel like it's been like three years in a row where bullpen's been good. 
And yeah. whether it's their their ability to identify talent or it's the coaching. And when we talk to the guys in the bullpen, they say it's the coaching. They're like, hey, these guys really, they emphasize the things I'm good at. Yeah. And, you know, this is what you can't do. We hear that in football all the time, too. You know, oh, you can't do this. Well, let's stay away from that. and Let's do this instead. And so, you know, and I guess coaching's not that easy. <laughs> you know, it makes it sound like it's easy. But, yeah, I'm with you on that. I don't – the Justin Topa thing, I mean, it, it – I knew he was good, but then when I looked at his numbers, I was like, "Oh, yeah, he was he was really good." Yeah, but you know, getting getting Polanco and I, I just I feel like with with him and Mitch Haniger, I don't. I'm hoping that Mitch Haniger is due to not get a weird injury. Yeah, due for a, a hundred plus game season, that'd yeah. be great. And then I just I like the the fact that Polanco is a guy that will will grind it out. He's not going to go out there, uh, you know, and say, "Oh, I got a hangnail, and you know, I can't play." So yeah, it's it's kind of interesting to me, especially just other than my friend here from the two five three that said, "What are you talking about?" <laughs> um, yeah, I, I I feel like that. Uh, it's it's a much more positive vibe, and especially turning that around from the fifty four percent thing. That was kind of like the low point mm. of Mariner faith, right? Yeah, and you're already feeling bad about the season, what they didn't do in the way of player acquisition. Then, well, ha- I hope ha- having him say we're kind of doing you a favor. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, <laughs> well, oof. I hope at the end of this that um, that I'm saying the same thing I said a few years ago that Jerry needs to go out and stand on the pitching yeah. mound and just put the middle finger up and just rotate all around. See, I knew what I was doing. Yeah, well, I I hope he's in that spot, too. I hope there's a reason for it. One more before we get to what's bugging Bob. Jeff talking about the trades that they've made this offseason have definitely made this team better. I I think that the individuals who they have brought in this offseason, the the latest being Gregory Santos uh, and Mitch Garver and Luke Rayleigh and uh, Jorge Polanco probably – being the biggest of all like i think this is a good team man and i i think the the moves that they've made even since trading suarez and kalanick have been value positive yeah i i agree it all hinges on availability it, it does. It's not like Passan is is one to to gush, right? No, I mean, he is most certainly not one to gush. <laughs> he's, nailed he's that. Kind of known as the the wet blanket. Right? Yeah, very so, much. Yeah, and I just yeah, I, I I feel like Jerry Depoto should be more like, hey, I know baseball, I know ball, you don't, okay? So yeah, he does know I, ball. Yeah, I'm I'm rooting for him, and I'm hoping that. Uh, but I just think it's very interesting, and it, not much of a gauge. Our texters, no offense, texters, but like on Twitter and things like that, you just haven't heard the outrage that you've heard up until you know yeah. they started, you know, getting Mitch Haniger back here, and then and then uh, Garver and you know Polanco. Should we find out what's bugging us? Let's do that. What's bugging Bob? It could be traffic. Hey, 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 hey. It might be Angels fans. I hate you. I hate you. I don't even know you. And it's definitely Stephen A. Smith. I got a lot of problems with you people. It's time to find out what's bugging Bob. What's bugging Bob presented by Issaquah Pest Control. We always look to Matt to get the ball roll. Look at him. Sheepishly smiling over there. He's just like, I'm ready. I'm favorite ready. part of the show. Yeah, I'm sorry. I really have to. <laughs> That's it's six o'clock. Is this your favorite part of the show? Yeah, probably. <laughs> you like the six o'clock hour. Oh, the six o'clock hour is great. Yeah. Always good stuff. He excels in the hour. six o'clock hour. Usually you're racing home trying to get yourself a ticket and in a crash. 
<laughs> what's what's bugging you today? Well, I had a houseplant die on me this week. <laughs> <laughs> and it's really bothering me. Shut up. Are you serious? I'm serious. Wait, it just suddenly died? Usually it takes like a week or two. It for wasn't to... sudden, but it started taking a turn like a couple weeks ago. What are we, Tried what to are nurse we... it back to health. Failed completely. What are we talking about here? Talking I don't about know exactly what it is, but it's some kind of a fern thing. Was, okay. it, was it due to neglect? Probably. If mm. I'm being honest, it was probably my fault. It had lived in my apartment for Two and a half years? I'd had it wow. for a long time. Okay. That's a pretty good run for a plant, is it? You know what I just found out? That I've been watering a rubber plant <laughs> of course you are. for about three years. You're going, it looks great. It's really just Shannon, soaking up this water. Shannon has all these these plants, and she's like, why are you watering that? And I'm like, well, I water all the plants. Well, that one's made of rubber. <laughs> You've been keeping it alive. It's yeah. great. That is, I thought I thought Matt was going to be complaining about Brady and all the bowling talk we had the other day. Oh yeah, was, I can complain about that too. Oh, that was quite a conversation. Lefko missed that one, but we we sort of no, I, I got it. It sounds like based on based on Brady popping in and recounting all of it for us. Are you buying Brady bowling? Uh, two, what do you say? Two forty, two sixty. Yeah, he said no. his average was two somewhere around two forty. Yeah, but he did like, out of three games. He didn't, didn't say though. Didn't he regale you guys with a story uh, earlier? Oh about yeah, the, we, uh, we were getting oil, into all the de- yeah the, the wax. What was he calling it? The the oil oh, oil patterns. Yeah, oil, oil patterns. patterns. That's a thing. Oil yeah. patterns on the lane. He says it depends on those. He's got he's a guy who owns his own bowling balls. Uh, he's got his strike ball and his spare ball. Does he have to a, pick up a spare? He's uh, got a different ball. A little lighter. He's got the wrist guard. Oh, he does. Yeah, what about yeah. shoes? Oh, yeah. He's got shoes. Yeah, you don't want to go there and you know, they spray the, the uh, whatever that spray in there. That's not doing anything. No, that's all for show. And they usually spray it like right in the heel. They're just like, shh, yeah. throw it up on the shelf. You're like, ugh, yeah. that's disgusting. But yeah, so he we immediately had a bunch of texters texting in calling BS on him. Yeah. Going, what? What's he talking average. about? Pro bowlers only average two twenty or whatever the hell they were saying. But there was a level of outrage with his, his boast. Well, I, I don't think he's prowess. bragged that much about his baseball prowess. <laughs> no, he, he was like a he was in a bullpen, and he's I've heard way more about his bowling game. Oh, he said, game. I said, could you? What would you do right now? He's like, just not warming up, just going. He goes, I could do two hundred easy. Yeah, not said. warming up. Yeah, not not <laughs> you know playing some games, getting some warm up yeah. games or something like that. I don't think he was you know, doing calisthenics. I don't think he's, he's going into the lanes cold. Yeah, <laughs> I, don't think, I don't think he's doing yoga before he throws the ball. But uh, yeah, he, he thinks he could just step into any bowling alley and roll a two hundred right now. Hey, Maybe have he I could. told? Have I told the Paul Moyer story? Yeah, we can t- do that again. <laughs> I didn't hear it, Dave. Poor Paul. No. no, no, we'll wait until he comes on. Oh, that'll be better. Good, the, um, the visual of that story is just priceless. By the way, I have my own bowling ball. It was at some kind of a Seahawk charity thing. This is back when I was playing. Gosh, this must have been like 1990, 91. But it was a, it's a blue bowling ball that has like a Seahawk emblem on it. It's really cool. Oh, nice. Yeah. Have but you ever bowled with it? I have. just a display. Yeah, okay. and I've got a little case that I carry it with. You How know? many times have you bowled with it? Uh, Twice. Is it yeah. displayed in your house? Is it just sitting no, it's in the closet? Sitting in the garage. Okay. <laughs> displayed. It's it's under a light, like a piece of art. It's got a little stand. <laughs> that would be Brady. I'm sure Brady. And it says average two sixty or whatever. Yeah, I, I love the, him explaining the oil patterns and his his spin on the ball and how he gets the spin and all that. He's 
He talks a good game. I don't. I don't know enough about bowling to know if he's BSing me or not. But he's, he's got to be. He's. He was talking a lot, wasn't he, Lefko? He was. He was regaling us with tales of of dominance. I'm seeing if on we, the can go, we We should go track him down for these final few minutes here. <laughs> yeah. No one wants to hear that again. Probably. <laughs> I just love that he said he could walk into a bowling alley right now and roll a 200. Which sounds like that's pretty good to me. I don't think I've. I think I've maybe hit 200 maybe once. Once or twice, it's it's tougher than it than it looks. Yeah, especially if you're not a good bowler. Like I mean, I I came close one time and I choked on the final. I was I needed four four or five pins to get two hundred, oh. and I just choked. Like I knocked down like whiffed. I think I knocked down like it was almost a gutter ball, and I knocked down like two pins. Ended up with a one ninety seven or ninety eight something like. I, I just missed it because yeah. I I gacked. So the thing, I, I try to go for, you know, speed, like yeah. throw it as hard as I possibly can. Yeah, I'm going velocity. Yeah, I, I just, I love that. We got to go bowling. Well, how did we just gloss over the fact that on, Dave man. Wyman said he had been watering a fake houseplant for three years? We moved yeah. by that pretty quickly. Because I think we all felt like, yeah, that makes sense. But yeah. you're the big, you're the big gardener, right? You're the we saw you deadheading at the the. I'm gonna send you. I'm gonna send you a picture of this uh, this particular rubber plant it's very lifelike okay many have been fooled was the pot just full of water <laughs> no. yeah the it, soil was yeah, just started soaking leaking it up, right? down the bottom it wasn't like i was you know all the time but i had been watering it yeah i love that shannon's like what are you doing then there's another one she has another one that looks like it's fake and it's real and she's like and you weren't watering that one yeah i wasn't watering that one it was dying That's a first. fake one yeah <laughs> All right, coming up, uh, how do the Seahawks balance a key component of this upcoming draft? We're going to get into that next with Wyman and Bob. This is Seattle Sports on 710. Wyman and Bob. Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studio. On Seattle Sports and the Seattle Sports app. Coming up at 5 o'clock, John Morosi will join us on the program here with Wyman and Bob talking some baseball with him, so stay tuned for that. You guys can text in throughout the show, 866-979-3776, powered by Mac and Jack's Brewing Company. Any more people taking issue with your assessment that the uh, 54% statement from Jerry DePoto sort of dissipated? Yeah, there was a couple couple more that were like, yeah, I haven't forgotten that part yet. <laughs> so, I don't know. It'll be interesting. It just kind of, it just in, if this is any indicator, which... You know, we we have we make fun of our texters sometimes on purpose, just so they'll shoot us mean texts. But for the most part, it's just kind of a it's kind of a gauge, right? Yeah, a little heat check. You don't take every yeah exactly heat check. Um, so and it's it's really cut down now that I mention it. People are like, no, I'm still mad and everything. But <laughs> now but, that you brought it back up, I'm ticked off all over again. Yeah, but I mean, it, people aren't just doing it randomly anymore so and what i'm talking about is you know whether they think this has been a good off season for the mariners or not and you know i don't know with polanco i think was that was a big key um i i think everybody knows what you get with hanniger and you kind of accept that you're taking on but again with hanniger it's not about him being well i can't say that he's not injury prone but it's not like he's in bad shape or he pulls a hamstring or has a soft yeah. tissue thing. It's like major stuff. Like he gets hit. Like how many times has he been hit at the at the plate? He had one in the face, one in the in the junk, junk, and then the last other one year was in the forearm broke forearm. his arm. Yeah, 
But I think he, I think last year he actually started. I think it might have been a, no, a low bleep, as you call it. Oh yeah. Um, I think he had that at the beginning of the year before the forearm. He's, Remember, he's just wildly unlucky, man. Just, yeah, and the guy works his tail off. Yeah. Remember those? Um, it was like MMA training that he was doing. We were watching mm-hmm. on the video. Yeah. I mean, he's he, a maniac. And, yeah, and it looked like he was just doing it all day long. Is that basically. the one you said he had cement shoes on? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Who said that? I think you did. No, 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 no. Somebody no, no. was talking about him working Somebody out. Was with like, about... It looked like he had cement, or maybe it was Ryan. Was it Ryan Roland Smith? Yeah, and I was like, isn't that how they get rid of wise guys? <laughs> Give them cement shoes? Throw them in the river? Yeah, the East River? Crazy workout with yeah, cement I was, shoes, yeah. I was like, what in the world are you talking about? Well, we'll talk baseball with uh, John Morosi coming up at 5 o'clock. Meanwhile, something we touched on earlier in the show, for those of you that uh, just tuned in, we were talking about drafting philosophy. And the, and the philosophy for the Seahawks has been best player available. Regardless of what your need is, you're, wherever you're picking, they're at 16 this year. Best player available there. Does it necessarily address their most pressing need? Maybe not. But there's got to be a balance. It can't be absolute. Yeah. Like if, if the best, if your highest rated player is a, is like we threw out running back, you, you don't need a running back, right? Certainly not in the first round, but playing the hypothetical, there's that running back you've got rated very highly, but you need a linebacker. And there's that linebacker that's considered one of the best in the entire draft available there. You got to take him, right? You can't just say, well, our philosophy is best player and we have this this running back rated higher, so we're taking the running back. Yeah, I think only John Schneider can tell you that, but I do think he is more leans more towards best available. Now, that's not necessarily what's happened, okay? Mm-hmm. Because he hasn't been fully in charge. Right. You know, as far as the draft goes. So I think there's been times where, you know, coaches have chimed in and said, hey, we really need this. We really need that. Um, LJ Collier comes to mind. But um, but no, I think there's he has a formula. And but I think it's mainly dominated by let's take the best available player. And then, you know, we'll address a position of need. I mean, look, (laughs) they know better than we do that linebacker is a huge problem. And I have if you looked at the mock drafts and noticed like linebackers up there. I think I saw one or two in the top fifteen. I I haven't paid attention to that position. Yeah, but I mean, I think one of them was an edge rusher, and yeah, that's not really those. what you need. You mean you need a guy a second level linebacker, and so. But I, I think that that's kind of how he he goes. That like he he has a very disciplined approach to it, so that it's like okay, if this happens and this guy's not there, we're trading back, or you know, we're gonna do we're gonna go some some other way, but. Yeah, I'm all for doing, you know, the the best available. It sure worked out last year and I think it's going to make Seahawks fans more aware of like the way that he that he drafts because you absolutely did not need a corner last year. You had Trey Brown, you had Mike Jackson, you had Kobe Bryant, you had Reek Woolen, you were fine. And Reek Woolen coming off a really good year. That was last year Reek Woolen, not this year Reek Woolen. Right. And he takes him and he goes out and balls out. So, I mean, I think everybody's going to be much more accepting of like, and, you know, like when they took uh, Jordan Brooks, that was another one where it was like, it was kind of a head scratcher at the time because they had KJ and Bobby were fully, full on. And then they had, I think they had Cody Barton. They had a good amount. Of, of linebackers and and they took him. I thought that was a uh, probably an example of you know best player available. 
Yeah, uh, Mike McDonald was talking about this, and he's talking about the other side of the ball and the importance of the Seahawks offense being built to support this quarterback. What we've played against, you know, he's a really good player. Pretty sure he's at the Pro Bowl right now, you know. Um, but we're going to build around the quarterback. Uh, you got to. Just like we said on defense, we built the system around the players on defense. We're going to build it around the players on offense, and the most, player, most important player is the, is the QB. So um, we'll see how the whole situation shakes out over time. Um, but excited to, to get to meet those guys, Drew. I mean, uh, I'm there. I've talked to Gino briefly after our game and told him how much I respected him. Not anticipating I'd see him in six months <laughs> or three months or however long it's been. But um, yeah, just really excited to meet the rest of the guys. You know, especially especially the QBs and uh, get to know them and kind of see what makes them tick, so we can start to build the system around them. Does that bother you to hear a head coach say the most important player is the QB? <laughs> that- no, I'm I'm down. I that's the way it is in the NFL. No question about it. So, uh, linebacker, second most. That's, that's fine. <laughs> but building around Geno, let's say they at 16 they go offense, what, what do you look at as the most pressing need? Because I would say something on that O-line, probably a guard. Interior offensive line? Yeah. Yeah. And then maybe hedging your bets with a right tackle because not that – we all love Abe Lucas, and when he's out there, he's a solid player. But his availability, that that chronic knee issue that he's got going, I don't – I don't feel awesome about that. There, uh, you don't hear anybody saying, "Oh, yeah, all we got to do is X, Y, and Z, and he's gonna he's gonna be good to go." We've just been trying to get him through the season. It just sounds like something that's gonna continue to have to be managed. And I don't know that he's a guy you can count on for seventeen games. Yeah, I'm trying to look. I was watching um, a guy during the week at the Senior Bowl, Guyton, the the big tackle out of uh, out of Oklahoma, looks really good. I think he's a left tackle though, mm-hmm. um, but. Yeah, you could see them possibly bolster the the O line there. That's that's always a, a good place to go. But you know, and that's one of those where I think <laughs> that's really hard for I think most people to judge. And so, you know, we'll, we'll see. But um, yeah, uh, to me, I, I feel like you can never go wrong with offensive linemen. You know, you mm-hmm. you just you just can't have enough of those guys. And there was there was injuries last year. I want to say Phil Haynes got banged up a he little bit. He was always in and out. Yeah, and he he was a guy they signed last year in the offseason they were happy about. They gave him a, a pretty good amount of money and and he deserved it. I mean, he's a great pulling guard and you know, they they did a, a fair amount of that, but there's a big mystery like is Olu the guy. Yeah. You know, and then who who's the rookie last year that I'm Bradford Bradford Anthony yeah. Bradford that was always getting in fights and kind of feisty I like that about him and does he develop though those guys take like the next step but O line's been kind of weird other than you know other than I guess Charles Cross a little bit but to me I was really excited about Abraham Lucas and mm-hmm. but you know over the last few years it, it hasn't it's kind of been because for a while there we were like eh not much to complain about with the offensive line and now yeah. it's starting to get you know with the injuries and then some of the interior offensive line play is pretty they're pretty young hey we uh, unveiled the big news yesterday the john schneider show is returning on thursday february 22nd so our weekly conversations with the seahawks gm will run every thursday through the first night of the nfl draft which i believe is the 25th of april times will still uh t- what times those are going to take place we're going to find out we'll nail down a time each thursday but He's back for another another season. He, we've been picked up for another season, Dave. Another season of the John Schneider Show. So stay tuned to us and SeattleSports.com for updates. Looking forward to that. Those were good, man. We, yeah. had, we got a lot of information. Um, we got 
scolded for not knowing uh, or not asking John who they're going to draft in the first round? <laughs> and you know he would have told us. We just sure. forgot to ask. Yeah. Uh, no, it's going to be a lot of fun, though, See, having John in there every single week. So uh, make sure you stay tuned for that. The 22nd of February will be the debut of Season 2 of that show. Meanwhile, there might have been some dissent on the Seahawks offense last season. We'll hear about that when we sweep the dial. Coming up with Wyman and Bob, this is Seattle Sports on 710. Scanning the airwaves for the most interesting and entertaining stories of the day. Sweeping the dial. Every afternoon at 445 with Wyman and Bob. We were talking about Eric Bieniemy yesterday. Seems like uh, everyone's talking about him because Andy Reid at the Super Bowl press conference was also asked about Eric Bieniemy and says that uh, the former Chiefs coordinator spoke to the Chiefs before the AFC title game. He actually came in and talked to our team um, before our last game, so he uh, uh, talked to the offensive guys and hung out with us uh, in our meetings. So I have had a chance to talk to him. And he's he's still up for a couple jobs. What do you think his future is in coaching? And would there be a spot on your staff if it doesn't work out for him somewhere else? I can't answer the last part because I've have no spot right now. Um, I, I would tell you, I think his coaching future is great. I mean, I'm obviously a big fan of his, and I know the things that he he can do. He's endorsed by Andy Reid. I mean, come on. Uh, he's a huge mystery. I think he's become one of the, the more mysterious figures in the NFL because, you know, some, by all accounts, there's a reason why he's not a head coach. But some guys seem to love him, and Andy Reid endorsing him like that, that's, that's pretty awesome. I, I'd love to know how those interviews have gone. He's had multiple interviews for head coaching jobs. Like, is he... Does he come off, uh, you know, Andy's been around him, so maybe he just knows him and he doesn't he doesn't really notice some of the things that other people might take the wrong way or might rub other people the wrong way. Maybe he's just numb to it because he's just been in the trenches with him for years. So just he's oblivious to it now. I don't know. It's just yeah. he is an interesting guy because he's had success. Now you hear people qualifying his success saying, well, that's really Andy. We played the cuts from LaShawn McCoy saying, no, he's not drawn up those plays. That's Andy. And he's saying he's hiding behind Patrick Mahomes and all that. So, you know, maybe maybe McCoy has an axe to grind in that situation, but it wasn't a great run for the one year at uh, Washington as far as what that offense produced. Do you remember a coach named Joe Vitt? Yes. Yeah, so he was my coach my rookie year, and now he's the senior defensive assistant for the Broncos, which I think the Broncos had fired him at one point. So... Um, but anyway, yeah, Joe was a guy that would, would yell at you. And he was, you know, more with like a – he was like a workout guy and a special teams guy and things like that. But, I mean, that guy would – you know, if you were late – I remember my rookie year, I was late. Oh, second rounder thinks he can show up late. Who do you think you are? And, you know, screaming and yelling. And, <laughs> oh, look at you. Yeah, and I got I got used to it. He had a really funny sense of humor. He was he was one of those guys you didn't want to get into a, like a cut down contest. You know, he just it was very funny, and you know, ultimately you loved him. But he was one of those guys that was kind of a screamer and a yeller. And you know, I mean, I, I think maybe there are, maybe there are some people that are talking about Eric Bieniemy that are just kind of sensitive, and they're not that that kind of guy, and they've been pampered their whole lives, and but. Andy Reid seems to like him, and I don't know. Andy Reid, pretty nice guy. 
sweeping the dial. Well, we talked about the Seahawks or the Mariners signing uh, JSN's brother earlier today, but uh, Jackson Smith and Jigba himself is on Radio Row this week. So Bounty's doing a pretty cool promotion. We can talk about that after this. But today, JSN was sitting down with the uh, CHGO Bears podcast, and they asked him about new Bears offensive coordinator Shane Waldron. Answer that he gave, uh, not exactly a resounding endorsement. Bears fans are super interested about the offensive coordinator coming in, Shane Waldron. What can you tell them about who they just hired to, to uh, try to get this offense where it needs to go? Um, uh, <laughs> oh. this, is, this is live? Yeah. <laughs> We're not live. We're not live. I'm playing. Um, <laughs> uh, good luck to y'all. I mean, he, he's, a, he's a great person, great offensive coordinator. I was very lucky to have him my first year. Learned a lot from him. Um, I think he's going to, I think him and Justin will mesh well and, um, you know, adding more guys around him, uh, I think it would be great. So we'll see. Do you, do you have any advice that you give to Justin in that situation, considering that you know the coach that's coming in? Oh, yeah. I mean, I mean, he's going to love Justin. Um, so really just Justin be yourself and, and go make plays for real. <laughs> that's it. Fair enough. My go, favorite. Go make plays. My favorite part of the, you think he's, he told him that? Hey, guys, here's, here's the game plan this week. Go make plays. Here's the key to the whole thing. The make funny plays. part of that was, though, is he tries to keep it really positive. He's like, yeah, you know, he did this and he did that. And then he goes, but we'll see. <laughs> yeah. Got, got kind of caught off guard there. But I don't know. Maybe it's just because he's a rookie and it's like you don't really notice the coaching that much as you are just like in awe of everything that went you know, went on that that season, your rookie year. It's always kind of hard to formulate an opinion, but it was uh, it was kind of interesting. I think I think he was one of the coaches that Schneider and the the whole group really liked. They thought he was a really good Waldron? teacher. Yeah, they thought he was a good teacher and the kind of guy like he was mentioned up there with like uh, you know like Clint Hurt as a defensive line coach or mm-hmm. you know Carl Scott and. So, but you know, it's really interesting, Bob. I was talking about this about Kerry Joseph and how you know him and Waldron come to Chicago, and they're like, "Hey, these guys fixed Geno Smith, and Geno had a really good year, and Geno's a really good quarterback now." And then, you know, you talk about it in a different light, and the texters or whatever, are like, "Are you kidding me? He's middle yeah. of the road." But yeah, it's uh, it's interesting um, how. Uh, he, you know, and he was talking about his because Justin Fields is an Ohio State quarterback, and yeah, we uh, we we root for him to uh, make it with Chicago so that that connection can be fulfilled. Yeah, I don't think it's going to happen, man. I feel like he's going to get moved because they've got that number one pick, and everybody's assuming, or maybe for good reason, they're going to take Caleb Williams. Sweeping the dial. Uh, this is quite an interesting moment last night. So Kelvin Sampson, University of Houston head men's basketball coach, his team was up by 20. Then he stormed onto the court after a no call and sprinted out after a ref. He was uh, obviously ejected. Then after the game, didn't really want to talk about uh, why he stormed onto the court to try to yell at a ref. What would like to know? What exactly happened there? And, you know, what's your thoughts on? Um, I have no thoughts. So if I say something, answer your question, they find me 25,000. What part of 25,000 are you willing to pay? So don't ask, don't ask me silly questions. Cause it's a $25,000 fine if I tell the truth. So I can't, so don't ask me. Why is it a silly question? I mean, well, yeah, you, you choose to answer it or not, but it's not. Well, it's not a silly question either. And also he's saying, well, that's a silly question. Cause I'll get fined. Does the reporter know that? 
I don't. It's not their no. job to know that. It's no. their job to ask the question. And right. hey, you ran on the court. What, what what was that about? That's the obvious question. If he didn't ask it, people would be going, "What are you doing, Dunsky? You didn't ask him about storming onto the court and getting ejected." So, I don't. Yeah. I don't think I've ever seen. I mean, I'm not an expert. I don't watch a ton of college basketball, but I've never seen him react that way before. And. I'm just curious if he got in kind of a little personal battle. That's a, whenever I would talk to the officials, like the the NFL guys, um, when when I played, it never got personal. Never got personal. It never, you know, was like they'd always just say, "Well, I'll look for it" or whatever. They never, you yeah. know. Every once in a while, you'll hear in other sports, like, "Well, why don't you do your job, and then I don't have to call it or something like that." And I'm, I'm wondering if it it has all the earmarks of. One of the officials said something to him that was personal. Yeah, and he doesn't want to criticize. As he said, if I'm honest, I'll get... I'll, I, I don't... If he said, listen, he said something to me that I didn't appreciate, I don't think he gets fined for that. But if he's like, this guy's a terrible official, he's blowing calls left and right, and I had to let him know, yeah. he's going to get fined. So right. I get why he doesn't want to answer, but that was not a silly question. So, True. yeah, that's a guy doing his job. All right, Sweeping the Dial is powered by Seattle University Men's Basketball. We're one week away from the start of spring training. Can you believe that? And our guy John Morosi is going to join us next talking some baseball. That's uh, coming up with Wyman and Bob. This is Seattle Sports on 710.